going to be um, in Genesis 12. Uh, Genesis 12, and then we're going to end up in 2 Corinthians 6. You know, as, as Christians, especially as Christians in America, um, some of us never have it, and some of us lose it very quickly. What I'm talking about is your fire. We have... Uh, <clears throat> and it's not just America, though, it's... It's the gospel at large in the unpersecuted countries. I think that's about the best way that I can put it is it's the gospel at large in the unpersecuted countries. Because we make we make Christianity a membership that all can have. Jesus did not say all can have it. He said, I long that none would perish. Then he told us how to get it. He told us how to maintain it. He told us how to sustain it. <clears throat> but the unpersecuted countries don't want to preach the unadulterated gospel. They want to make it easy. Because the American church, the unpersecuted church, is big business. It's big business for big names to have big money to do big things. <clears throat> the money's not bad. Leaders are not supposed to be destitute and poor. They're not supposed to be. Pastors, evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers, they're, they're not supposed to be poor. They're supposed to have money. And it's okay... If they do. So to preach that we're supposed to be poor is incorrect. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we're supposed to preach the truth and then God provides the provision. When we preach the truth, God will provide the provision. But the land of milk and honey does not come without persecution in the wilderness time. Where you have lack, where you have limit, where you don't have enough. But the gospel at large in the unpersecuted church has made it seem like you can still have the world and Jesus also. Now they do it very sly-like. They do it very simple. They don't come at you with big things. They don't come at you and say, you can have as many wives as you want and still have Jesus. Because we would all say that's crazy. But when they find out that you're going out at night and drinking, they don't tell you that you can't do that as long as you're paying your tithe. Now, if you're someone that's not paying your tithe, they'll be more honest with you. Because it's about money. We cannot allow Christians to do what put Christ on the cross. 
It's not okay. It, it wasn't okay back then, and it's definitely not okay now. I would say that it's more not okay now than it was back then because we're closer to His coming. Now, are we a church that's standing saying, Oh, Lord Jesus, come sweet by and by? We are saying, Oh, Lord Jesus, come because the Bible says, the bride says, come. The Spirit says, come. But we're not saying sweet by and by. Like there's a lot of work that has to be done. If anything, I want Him to come, but I pray it's not anytime soon because there's a lot of work left to be done and there's a lot of souls that are going to go to hell if He does soon. I think that it's the, the same spirit I believe that's in me was the same one that was in Jesus because the Word of God says so. I believe that Jesus came to rectify something that had never been rectified before because He was so burdened by the lost people of the world. Do I long to be with Jesus? I do. Do I long for His coming? I do. But I find myself more leaning towards the fact that I'm weeping over the fact that so many will perish. Ones that thought they were Christians will perish. Some of it's because of bad leadership and bad indoctrination and not correct theology, but some of it's their fault. Because they knew better. They knew the Spirit was telling them something different than what the pastor on the corner told them that lined up more biblically because they found it, but because the leader in their life told them that it was okay, they decided to do that instead of what the Word of God said. We talk about a lot of leadership in this house and how to submit to leadership, but you can never submit to leadership that what they're telling you doesn't line up biblically. We follow God over man. And if God told you to submit to a man and the man's not preaching the Word, then at some point the Word of God ran out because the man of God stopped being the man of God. You can only follow leaders that are following Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The qualification of us following Paul was that Paul was following Christ. Not that Paul was awesome, not that he had good theology, not that he was prosperous, not that he knew the law, not that he was a Roman citizen, none of that. It was that he was following Christ. That was the only thing that qualified him. I believe that the number one weapon that the enemy has chosen in modern day society is the church. He's infiltrated it long ago, and he's got it where he wants it. Is it to say that this house has it all right? No. But we're trying. You will never find a leader that stands up on this platform that thinks that they have it all right and are not willing to change if corrected and shown true biblical principles and how they can do so. We are going to be a house that follows Jesus. We are looking and going after the perfection of God because Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We have to become that, but we can only become that by following Christ. We follow Christ by following His Word or following others that are following His Word. As I was talking with the Lord this morning early, he just began to speak to me about guarding the fire. The unpersecuted church either never had it 
or lost it very quickly. Because I know in most churches that are not preaching the true gospel, if someone's burning hotter than the pastor, they'll quickly put out your fire. That's, that's one good way for you to know how it's time to leave. If they're putting out your fire, it's time to leave. You need to be in churches with leaders and groups and communities that are asking you to burn hotter, to burn higher, to go further, and go lower. We need powerful preachers on the pulpit that are more powerful in the closet than they are in the public place. That there's a residue upon them because they have been in the secret place praying and learning how to protect the fire. Dead churches come from dead leaders. Only dead leaders can produce dead churches. And if you were on fire when you went in, but now you're dead, the leader's probably dead. If they're not praying, they will die quickly. We have to protect the fire. It's not the big things that is getting you. It's the small ones. I want to jump over here real quick to 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to come back to 6, I promise. Paul outlines something that's very small and insignificant in our daily lives that we seem to, too often to forget about, and we wonder why we're falling out of love with Christ, why we're struggling in our relationship with Him, why we can't walk down the street without worrying about something, money's beating us up, we can't follow God because our faith is lacking, because there's more doubt now more than, than there is faith. God does big things for us. We can't figure out how to receive the blessing. We can't follow God because of small foxes. We can't follow God because of the small things. My dad used to say, it's whipping your keister. Things that are beating you up. It's, it's tearing you up and you can't figure it out. And you're trying to do all these big things, so I just need to pray more. I just need to worship more. I just need to come to church more. Well, if I just do this, if, if I just do this, if I just do this. Paul says something totally different right here. 2 Corinthians 10.5, he said, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself. See, right there. There's two small things that we don't do. As Christians, because we're unpersecuted in America, we don't cast down these things. Casting down arguments. Americans love to argue. Find me something I can be offended about. Tell me something that's different than my opinion. We're going to argue. I'm getting on Facebook just to see who I can argue with today. Go ahead, tell me that Biden's a good president. I'm ready to fight. He said, cast down arguments. You, you spend too much time arguing, debating, 
Like your debate's going to change their opinion. Well, it just might. No, it won't. If you've got to argue to change somebody's opinion, then it's not love that's changing them. It's the argument. People that are changed by love stay changed. In every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything, what is, let's say it another way. Paul said, anything that is keeping you from knowing more of God, destroy it in your life. If it's not leading you to the feet of Jesus, y'all have heard me say this, and you've always probably wondered, how, where did he get that from? What's the verse that backs that up? If it doesn't lead you to the feet of Jesus, you don't need it. This is the verse, guys. This is it. Cast it down. Then here's the big part right here. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What's he saying? He says every thought that is not bringing you to obey God is not a thought from God, therefore get rid of it. He's not saying take it captive and hold it in a cell for the time that you might need it, and then you can pull that evil thought out so you can feel bad about yourself. This is what most of you do. You grab a hold of the thought and you say, well, I can't deal with that thought right now. I'm going to put it in the back of my mind when I get home tonight, when I'm laying in bed and I'm done doing my Facebook stuff and my cell phone stuff, and then I'm trying to go to sleep, I'm going to let loose all the thoughts that I put in a cell in the back of my head today, and I'm not going to go to sleep for two and a half hours. This is most Americans. This is the unpersecuted church. Because we have a work in a persecuted land that is growing and thriving, and I've asked them questions about what they think at night, and what they think about at night is how they're going to spread the gospel tomorrow without dying. It's hard to think about, am I going to have enough food, money for food when you may not even make it to the next meal because you love Christ? You're not worried about the food. You're worried about how you're going to continue to preach the gospel without being killed. You're worried about intimacy with Christ because the Word of God says, those that are in me I will protect. See, they take it more literal when they're persecuted because they got to figure out a way to stay in Christ because His Word says He'll protect them. It's the small things that are getting us. It's why you don't have relationship with Christ. It's why you struggle in your prayer life. It's why you can't go out and witness to people. It's because you know deep down inside your thoughts are destroying you and you're not taking them captive. You're actually feeding them and letting them get bigger. What you feed will consume you. What you starve will die. This is why fasting is so important in your Christian life. We're not talking about just once when the Catholics do it or the first of the year. I'm talking about you're continually fasting when your flesh is rising up against you. You fast to kill it. I thought we fasted to get closer to God. It's the same thing. When your flesh dies, you'll get closer to God.
You have to fast and pray and seek God. You have to ask the Lord, what are the things in my life that are keeping me from you? I want them destroyed. Show me how. Help me. He says, Okay, cast down the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of me and bring every thought into captivity to obedience to my son. This is what God would say. I want more of you. Okay, do this. All right, I'll do it for one day. God, that didn't bear any fruit. He didn't say do it for one day. He said do it. You, you don't understand as a Christian that these commandments and things that He's telling you is more important than breathing. You know in hell there's no oxygen, but you can't die. Christ will be more important in that moment than your breath. You'll constantly be wanting a breath, but there'll be no breath to give. You'll constantly be suffocating, but you cannot die. You need to worry about Christ now. You need to worry about His commandments now. It has to become more important than the breath in your lungs. When it becomes more important than the breath in your lungs, you'll do the things that He's telling you to do, and you'll watch the fruit of the Gospel bear in your own life and manifest for others to see. And the purpose of all of this is not for you to be free, but for you to show freedom to people that need to be free. Fashion trends change because famous people wear them. Then people see the famous people wearing them and then they want to wear them. By the time it gets to you, even if you don't watch TV, you were still influenced by someone that did it first. We have to be influenced only by the Word of God. Not by what the world and what man is doing around us. Let's go back to Genesis. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. Uh-oh. Y'all just y'all all just stop following Christ right there. <laughs> Leave the place that you know. Okay? Now the ones that it didn't get, he got on the next one. From your family. And from your father's house. He said, listen, I can't have you in a land that you know because you'll do what you know. You'll be influenced by people that you know because they know you there. I've got to separate you from your family. Not because your family's evil, but because you're not ready to handle your family with what I'm about to do in your life. And when I give you this fire that I'm about to give you, you'll let your family destroy it. But the fire in you is what's going to set your family free and generations beyond your understanding. 
I can't have you in your father's house because you've been for too long depending upon him to take care of you. You've taken care of his sheep. You've worked his land. But now I need to strip you from everything so that someday I can trust you with my sheep, my animals, my land. Oh, and by the way, I just want you to leave. I'm not even going to show you where you're going yet. Just walk that direction. Where am I going, Lord? To a land that I will show you. When? When the time is right. First, I need you to go. I'm not going to give you this fire until you're willing and ready to step away from everything that you ever knew to follow me. He said, when you do that, you've got to read it this way. This is a conversation between God and Abraham before he became Abraham. He said, when you get out of your country and you leave your family and you leave your father's house and you start to a land that I will show you, then I will start to make you a great nation. Then I will bless you. Then I will make your name great. And then you shall be a blessing. And because you become such a blessing, I'm going to bless those that bless you. Man, what a promise. If you'll step away from everything you ever knew, every person you ever knew that's not burning the way that God is burning for you, and only travel down the path with those that are burning that way, because Abraham didn't go alone, if you remember. There were some that went with him. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you so much that when others bless you, they'll receive a blessing because they blessed you. Oh, and by the way, don't worry about those that are against you because you're going to be so blessed that those that curse you will get cursed. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of them. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. I know y'all used to me screaming and jumping and running around and today's a little bit different. It's important. It's important because where we're going next in this house, you're going to need your fire. Not everybody will make it. That's okay. You'll find a group to burn less hot with. But this house, we're going to burn. The hotter the fire, the further it can be seen from. With as many people lost and dying and going to hell today, we need to be burning as hot as we possibly can so that they can see the flame. They need to know where to come. Second Corinthians 6. 16. 
See, you, you entered into a contract with God when you gave your life to Him. The contract that you signed was that He was your Lord and Savior and that you would be a bondservant to Him. That you'd do everything that He asked, but most importantly, that you would receive the bride for the bridegroom. Every Christian who gave their life to Christ, number one mandate, other than loving the Lord thy God, is to love thy neighbor. What does that mean? You have to go get them. You have to go preach Christ crucified to them. You have to tell them the truth. You have to pursue peace with all men whenever possible. You have to bring them to the bridegroom. But you can't do that if you don't do this. He starts by telling you, in what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. He's quoting God. He's He's not quoting Jesus, the man. He's quoting God. God. What God said in the Old Testament. He said, you are the temple of God. He's saying, so why are you dealing with idols? Why why are you in love with football? Why are you in love with Facebook? Why are you in love with drugs? Why are you in love with alcohol? Why are you in love with thoughts that destroy you? Wait a minute, I I don't love any of those things. Then why are you being entertained by them? We should not be entertained by our thoughts because if, as Seth said up here, he said, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways higher than mine. That's not God boasting in a way to say, hey, I'm better than you. He's saying, no, come a little higher. He said, come on up here. He said, come on up here. Come a little higher. Come a little higher. Second Corinthians 6.16, he says this. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now here's the part. It's hard. Therefore, what's all of this above therefore for this? Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We have to come out from among those that are doing the things that put Christ on the cross and be separate because He's called us higher. Because He's called us to be better. Because He's called us to be different. Why though? Why does Christ want us to do all these things? Why is He being so mean? Why can't I just why couldn't he just made a, a rule where I could just enjoy the world and still enjoy him too? Because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And his ways are higher than your ways. And every one of you in this room at some point in your life had cried out to God for God to give you more. You wanted God to give you more. 
God save me. God deliver me. God help me. You prayed similar prayers and way beyond for him to come and do something. Then he touched your life and then said, follow my commands. But the moment it disagrees with the momentary glimpse of what you want your life to be like, you'll no longer obey what he's saying when you don't even understand that what he's trying to give you is what you prayed for. Because only by obeying his commands can you get what you've asked for. God save me. He says, yield. God deliver me. He says, yield. Some of you pray, God increase your glory. He says, increase your brokenness. God, I want more of you. He says, I want more of you. You cannot have more of Him without giving Him more of you. You cannot follow Christ and burn and be entertained by YouTube. It's, it's really... See, it's so simple that the enemy has made it so that that comment will offend you. I can do whatever I want in my own time. Who's this guy to tell me what I can and can't do? The Bible said, come out from among them. Be separate from the unclean things. Well, YouTube's not bad. There's stuff on there about Jesus. Are you watching stuff about Jesus? Are you watching football that every once in a while shows a half-naked girl shaking her butt on the sidelines and then you wonder where the lustful thought came from? He don't have to put naked men and women in front of you to get you to think lustful thoughts. All you got to do is put a half-naked person in front of you. You'll do the rest. You're not going to find a church service, and if you do, turn it off where there's going to be naked people running around. You'll have Facebook and you scroll for hours. Reading about people's vacations and their drinking parties and all the friends they've hang out with. And look at this time I got so blasted I couldn't stand up. And they're telling you about all their worldly things that they have going on and you wonder why you're struggling because you're allowing those things in your life. We did a purge here a while back. My wife went through her Facebook and deleted everyone that wasn't following Christ the way that we are. I just got rid of my Facebook. Somebody else posts for me. I don't mess with it because I need to destroy temptation. Not temptation that tempts me, but temptation that could tempt me. Oh, because why? Because you, you don't want to make Christ mad? No, because I don't want my fire to go out. Like, to me, Him being unpleased with me is a secondary thing to my fire. Because if my fire starts to go out, that's when He becomes unpleased. But if I'm burning, I don't have to worry about it. He's pleased. You've got to get rid of the things in your life that are not leading you to the feet of Jesus. If it's not deepening your relationship with Christ, get rid of it. Don't believe me? Stay in your struggle. 
You'll think it's something else. You'll come up with this big idea of what's going to help and you'll go to counseling and all of this stuff and they're going to make you spend bunches of money when all you had to do was get rid of YouTube and Facebook. All you had to do was stop watching the football games. All you had to do was stop hanging out with your buddies that still drink. All you had to do was stop hanging out with your buddies that still smoke. You have to figure out where the line is. Things that are a sin for me are not a sin for you. Because sin is the knowledge of it being wrong, and we have knowledge by stepping in to know the one that knows all things. The deeper the relationship we have with Christ, the less that we can do in this world. This is why Paul said, I long that none of you would become teachers. Because the moment you become a teacher, you're going to seek out knowledge of the one that can teach, and things that you could do, you'll no longer be able to do anymore. This is why I don't like Christians telling other Christians that they're in sin for doing something. There's certain things like you're sleeping with men and you're a man, that's a sin. He said the homosexual shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Somebody getting blasted on Broad Street and drunk and they're saying they're Christian, it says do not be drunk. I can't tell you that watching football is a sin for you unless it's making you stumble. If you can find a way to use that to bring you closer to Christ, it may not be a sin for you yet, but the closer you get to Christ, at one point it will be. Because He's going to call you out. See, Abram was a man of God before God came and spoke to Abram. But God, Abraham went after God in such a way that God showed up to Abram and said, you've been asking for more. Here it is. Leave your country. Leave your family, leave your father's house, and start walking in that direction. And at some point, I will tell you what land I'm going to give you. Oh, and by the way, the promise that I'm giving you, see, we follow God a lot of times for the promise. He said, Abraham, you won't even see it come to pass. You'll be dead and gone before what I'm promising you comes to pass in its fullness. Will you still follow me, Abraham? He said, you're all I've ever wanted anyways. He said, you are the promise. You are the purpose. You are all that I wanted. I'm willing. See, Abraham did not come out from his home country, his mama's house, his daddy's house, his family, his friends, and walk down a lonely, lonely road to get the promise of God. He did it because he was in love with God. He was tired of being satisfied by other things. He needed to be fully satisfied by the only one that can. The more you seek God, the more God will demand that you let go of. And you'll call it cost. And the American church, the unpersecuted church, they will call it cost. But if I take you with me to some of the third world countries that I do work in and you go up to them and you say, hey, do you count foot, not being able to watch football as a cost of following Christ? They're going to not know what you're talking about. The cost of following Christ is not things that you were never supposed to have to begin with. The cost of following Christ is persecution, trials and trouble. Sometimes loneliness. 
It's not not being able to go drink a beer. It's not being, not being able to watch your favorite movie because it's got cussing in it and they say GD. You're calling yourself a Christian and you sit through movies that say GD. This should bother you. You have to come out and be separate. Separate. You should look different. The way you operate should be different. The way you think should be different. If you look just like them, you need to re-examine your walk with Christ. <clears throat> That's what I love about Christ letting us. He, he said this amazing thing right at the end of his life. He said, Lord, I don't long that you would remove them. Right there, that lets me know that he could have prayed that and it would have happened. And the moment you gave your life to Christ, you just disappeared. That would have been better. Man, I wish you'd have did that. That's what most of you are. That'd be a lot better. No, it's not. He said, I wish that you would just protect them. I wish you would keep them. Why would he want us to walk in this world with so many unbelievers? Because there's only a certain level of Jesus that you can experience on earth that you won't be able to experience in heaven. And you can examine yourself and your walk with Christ against those that say that they don't believe. Because if you're only doing what they're doing, you may not be saved. Maybe you said the prayer, but nothing's changed because you should operate differently. Prove it. Okay. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll give you all power. And when that power comes, you'll go and bear witness of me to everybody. If you're bearing witness of the world, you can't bear witness of Christ because it says a, it says a house divided against itself shall fall. It says you cannot serve two masters. You have to burn for Christ or burn for the world. You can't burn for both because he said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Stand all across the room. See, I know in America we're, we're used to they preach a sermon and then somebody comes up and they play a song and they tell this real awesome story and it, it leans down into this altar call where people are weepy and they come up and they respond and that's the way we get people to do what we want them to do. But I've read this Bible over and over and over and over and over. I can't find one time where Jesus did that. Peter, get up here and play a song. We got to do the altar call. Sing something that'll make them weep. Get them all emotional because we need them to respond in emotion, not in conviction. Then Jesus goes on, let me tell you a story about my daddy Joseph. And the time he taught me this out in the fields. And it's this big dramatic story that lets you know that you're wicked and that you need to change. And then he does an altar call. Come on up here if you want to change. He didn't do that. Moses didn't come down the mountain with his face veiled and said, let me tell you a story. I need someone to get on the bagpipes over there and get to playing them. Oh, he came down with the realization that God just wanted to kill them all. And I need to tell them the truth so that maybe they'll change. Because if they don't change, he's going to kill them or I'm going to kill them. This is Bible. 
So you have the opportunity today, if you don't know Jesus, to come give your life to Christ. Now's the day. Now is the time. You have the opportunity to respond in any way that you want to receive more fire. To learn how to combat the thoughts. You don't even have to come up here. You have to fix your heart upon the eyes of Jesus. And he'll touch your heart and change your mind. Because that's who he is. He said, come to me all who are weary. Come to me. Not to the altar. There's nothing wrong with coming to altars. Not to the man of God. There's nothing wrong with coming to men of God. But there's everything wrong with coming to the altar and to men of God if you don't come to Jesus. If it doesn't bring you to Jesus, you won't change. It'll just make you a junkie in need of altar calls or men of God to lay hands on you and you'll never change. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to come into your house, Lord. Lord, help us to sustain the fire. Lord, help us to feed the fire with things that burn clean. Lord, we don't need a bunch of smoke in our house. We need light to extinguish the darkness. Light come forth in Jesus' name and burn in us. Throw things on the fire that will help us burn brighter and cleaner for you. For you to be magnified. For you to be glorified. You are worthy, Jesus. I give you my life again today. Just like yesterday. Use me in power for your glory. Or kill me now. Have mercy on us as we make mistakes, as we try. Because a mistake in trying is better than a mistake in not trying. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We bless your name. Amen.